Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of Selena's Underground Podcast. Y hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of 831 Comadres, where nothing's off the table cuando estás entre comadres. You didn't have your chorus today. That's I did not, unfortunately. We are missing the Comadre Frenchie. <laughs> and yeah, so because we're we're still on this uh, symposium, this forum, this hey. candidate forum that we've been doing. And uh, schedules are just tight. Schedule, schedules are Very really tight. tight. We we want to get as much information out there before the election, and so yeah. So we're we're getting these interviews, and whenever schedules line up for everybody, we we just put them in. So unfortunately, Frenchie's over there saving lives, exactly and, uh, doing God's work. And, uh, <laughs> and we're we're here having fun in the studio, drinking coffee. And this week or today, we have uh, Steve McShane in the studio with us, running four district or. The incumbent District 3 supervisor, city council member. Man, before 5 o'clock, I am no... I, I'm a <laughs> I, 5, 5, 5 p.m. plus podcaster. I think you just need to have a little bit more of that uh, coffee. That's always my mm. thing. I'm like, I just need to have more caffeine and I can get it together. <laughs> I, was, I was watching videos of the House of Parliament before I came here. <laughs> and the the whoever's in charge is one guy goes, Orda! Order, and he told one guy, "You the the you know the representative from over there should try yoga. <laughs> it would do you really good." It was so funny, but wow. I feel like I need that right now to center myself, balance. Yeah, it's exciting. We're in Old Town. There's so much stuff going on, and when you're here at three o'clock, you feel the the heartbeat really going. Yeah, the but, heartbeat of your district, Mr. McShane. Exactly. Good <laughs> oh, good it. good segue. Mm. So let's get into that. Uh, Steve, and we have uh, I mean usually th this one's going to be a little different for you cuz we start off with who are you and why did you decide to run and sure. I think pretty a lot of people are pretty familiar with you, but we we can get into a little bit of that. Yeah. But you're the incumbent, so and you've been in the position now for for several years, so twelve, correct? Yeah. So so yeah. So then my question now is is still who are you? Because there are there must be a couple people out there that, that don't know who who you are. And also since you, you again, it's been twelve years. Why run again? Sure. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't know who I am. Uh, <laughs> it's the truth. And uh, as my colleague and friend uh, Tony Barrera always says, this seat belongs to the people. It's it's not me. Uh, District 3 is South Salinas, the industrial areas south of town, uh, and the city center. Um, so I'm a local nonprofit CEO. I run the Salinas Valley Chamber of Commerce. I've been in that role for a year. Prior to that, I owned a garden center called McShane's out on Highway 68 for, gosh, 15 years. And I owned a organic fertilizer uh, outfit down in Gonzales. Uh, we made liquid organic compost and organic fertilizer products that... Uh, we're distributed all over North America. Really excited about that local business. Uh, so uh, I'm a family guy. I've got a three-year-old and a four-year-old, Molly, who's three, Patrick, that's four. Uh, they're the center of my world. Uh, my church is important to me. I, I run a, a small church in Marina called Compass Church. It's a, it's a satellite church. I've been involved in that church since it started. And uh, also active in the community, Rotary I'm involved in my college alumni association, various activities. I, I love Salinas, and I guess that's a good segue to why I got involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, years ago, when I first moved here, 20 years ago, um, you know, gosh, at that time, my council member was Maria Giriato. Mm -hmm. um, she got me involved. Uh, I, was, I was so surprised by the gunfire. <laughs> I mean, Salinas has had its chapters, and yeah. while we've been peaceful in the last three or four or five years, 
gosh, some of us remember that, you know, just a few years ago, we had, I think, 29 homicides in one year. So it was one of those deadly years. And I got opera, involved in something called Operation Ceasefire, uh, you know, a big effort in Espanol and in Inglés to, to be out amongst the people and say, hey, on New Year's Eve, don't fire your gun into the air because those bullets come back down and do a lot of damage and hurt people and so forth. So uh, that's how I got involved. Um, served on Hartnell uh, College Board and uh, you know, various boards and commissions for the city. But my, my, my interest was motivated at first to, to secure peace in the city, uh, to be of service. Uh, I've always been a gardener, so I had a vision for more community gardens. It was good we were talking about yeah. that before the, uh, the time. And uh, to make Salinas cool, um, some of you may know I, I authored the Arts Ordinance for the city. Uh, I brought the Food and Wine Festival to downtown. It's in its 11th year. Uh, there's so much potential here, and there's a lot of us that want to do a lot of good, especially for young people, um, especially families. Now that I have two young kids, we choose Salinas um, downtown, whether it's the farmer's market or you know, one of our 50-plus parks. So uh, we can we can do more, um, but motivated to... To give back, it's always been uh, something that uh, I've been a part of since I was I was young. I was one of those one of those kids that would help a neighbor to take their garbage cans in or yeah. cut grass, and sometimes get paid for it, sometimes not. <laughs> so a lot, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot has been accomplished in your time, mm. but there's still more to go. You think? I do. I think that uh, housing it continues to be our biggest issue and yeah. homelessness, and we're making headway. Uh, homelessness is citywide. Uh, whether you're in North Salinas or off Fairview to the east, uh, there's at least three, four major encampments, but homelessness throughout our city and shelter and offering wraparound services. I'm especially proud of the very first uh, Project Home Key project, which was in my district off of Work Street, where it wasn't just, hey, this is a place to live. It's a place to live and be able to access counseling, uh, treatment, health uh, services, and, and boy, have the results been incredible. Now, granted, that's 7% of our homeless population. <laughs> we have yeah, a lot more to do. Yeah. yeah, And not everybody wants help, and it's complex, um, and there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. The county has one idea, the city has another, and there's numerous nonprofits, not to mention so many people that will just – open the door to their car and say, hey, here's some extra food from my dinner or here's a few blankets. And two days later, those blankets are on the curb. So yeah. there's there's different ways and different solutions. But uh, homelessness and housing, uh, I feel we've made a lot of progress, but there's a lot more to go. Um, the future growth area, that'll be more than a thousand affordable homes in perpetuity, permanently. So the sooner we get that area opened, that'll help. Um, you know, there's a lot more to that issue, but I would say housing and homelessness is one, yeah, one of the tops. Well, and because yeah. that, you know, expanding more on that, because that, that's not really your district, you know, the north side. Yep. And your district is, in a sense, not necessarily built out. There's still land, you know, but really we can only re redevelop the south side. And, and Old Town is a great example of, of mm. that, you know, but... And again, and this is also another topic that can go on for yeah, hours, yeah. and I don't want to get into it too heavy, but we just had that, you know, the 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 ordinance that, you know, that you didn't, I was going to call them low income, but uh, like 
you know, cheaper, cheaper inclusionary housing. Inclusionary housing. <laughs> I read I'm your try, mind. I'm trying to sound, <laughs> trying to sound all smart, but so basically, what I'm like, and I know I'm not trying to get into that big debate, but how do how does Old Town become a mix of different income levels? You know, because yeah. you know that that's what I think would really really makes vibrant communities. I, I don't know that that's my opinion, and but how do how does that how do we balance that? Well, sense? well, two things. First, going back to the original. I'm getting all excited for that. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> Downtown uh, represents some of the most incredible housing development potential. Yeah. We have a lot of surface lots. 40% mm -hmm. of our downtown is surface lots. Yeah. Yeah. And we can build up and be transit oriented. And that's the goal. That is better for our planet. It's better for our, our, our population uh, to be able to walk to work and where they play and so forth. Um, as it relates to downtown, downtown's been tough. We those of us that have been here more than 10 or 15 years or been on the scene, even 20 or more, we remember that downtown was Skid Row. Yeah. And downtown has 70% plus low and very low income. So it's, it's, it is low income housing. Uh, and, and five or so years ago, the reason why there was a, a, you know, call it an exemption for inclusionary housing downtown was because all the studies showed that we needed we needed more market rate housing. So I'm proud to say just a block from here, there's 50 market rate units coming on and another 16 coming on. That's 66 to an existing, I think it's 700 or more. So, yeah. you know, the mix is getting better. Um, I think, you know, moving forward and at the, there were the city council meeting, you know, I, I agreed that we need to lift that. You know, we shouldn't have any preference for one area of town over another Gosh, but boy, is it important to have a community where you have a mix of income levels. Like, yeah. I think we all learned or our predecessors taught us that when you have all of the haves in one part of town and all the have-nots in another, that's a problem. So future developments, starting with the 80s or more like the 90s in Creekbridge, included a mix. And the future growth area will include even more of a mix so that there's rental, there's higher density, multi-family, single family, and a variety of income levels. I mean, this inclusionary housing ordinance that we have state, uh, citywide right now, there's five income levels. So it's, it's, and that wasn't the case prior to that. There was like three, if I remember. So we're beginning to recognize that, you know, we need to diversify our, our housing yeah. um, so that it's, it's socioeconomically uh, balanced. Yeah. No, and I could, oh, but in yeah. in respect to the the wasp, um, yeah. you were saying that that's going to be um, affordable housing. You you mentioned earlier was going to be over a thousand units that would be affordable housing. Has the developer already picked the option that they were going to go with? Because I remember mm. a couple years back they were they had the option of you know what it was that they would include. And also, um, if they have picked their option, will the building of that be concurrent with the market rate mm, housing that very, is coming in? Yeah, so there's there's three areas, if you will, and it's, I think, the CASP, the central area specific okay. plan that's the first to hit. Gotcha. Uh, the whole project is where the 1,000-plus come in because when you talk about the entire future growth area, it's 10,000 units or Correct. more, right? So in the central area specific plan, currently it is held up in a lawsuit uh, mm -hmm. with the school districts. And I Santa Rita's City Santa school Rita's one, yes. Al Union School District, and then Salinas Union High School District's the third. And mm -hmm. 
I don't think all three have settled yet. Um, two are on the verge of being settled. So I've heard, and I don't know if I can speak much more than that because it's Chris Callahan's sweating nervously <laughs> right now as he's listening. So forth, <laughs> correct. But for that development, everything that the city can throw at the developer to see to it that affordable units are built first or concurrent to the market rate homes is is on the table. Um, you know, we can't tie the hands or force the developer to do so, but there's a lot of tools that the city has. And I think all seven or six council members and the mayor have said, hey, we need units ASAP. So that that urgency, I think, is, is going to be heated. Yeah. So then it's about 10% of what is going in is going to be affordable because you said there was a approximately 10,000 overall units and there would be approximately 1,000 affordable um, units going in. It's a 20% ordinance, so I'm off there. Maybe it's 5,000 units and 1,000 approximately. Sorry. So 5,000 total, 1,000. So the ordinance is 20%. Okay. Yeah. And and is, you know, you, you've, again, you're the incumbent of 12 years. Sure. Do you feel that the city council is doing everything that they can within their power to make sure that, that you know, these, that the affordable housing is going in as soon as possible? Mm. Because, I mean, it's one thing to give them the option and to suggest, yeah, but yeah. like you said, we can't hold the feet, their, you know, their, their feet to the fire. So sure. what is it that city council what is it that they are doing? And is there anything in your opinion that they can be doing more of? Well, we can always do more. I mean, heck, I go to sleep every day thinking to myself, well, what could have I done differently today to be a better dad, to be, be a better nonprofit executive, to be a better council member? We could always do more. Let's just start with that. I think the city's done more than any other city in the region. You, you look at what the state requires for housing unit production, Salinas looks the best. And that's not saying a lot. You know, when you look at housing statewide, we've gone backwards, not forwards. I was at an event last Friday and there was a developer. We're talking about a housing developer that looked at me and said, hey, in the last 20 years, maybe there's been one or two market rate development over 100 units. Like we're not, there has not been a lot of housing development in Salinas. And you can't run away from the economics that if you don't have the units, rents and, you know, housing prices are going to go up and people are priced out, have to move, families are broken up and everything else. So, you know, there's a bigger discussion there, right? Why is there lack of housing, not just in Salinas, but in Visalia, in San Mateo, in Long Beach, in El Centro? And a lot of that's because of, well, regulation, cost of housing and materials, labor, You know, when it's a market and even national developers have the choice between Tennessee or Texas and Vallejo, they might choose the Dallas-Fort Worth grapevine area because cost of materials are less, labor is more available. That's hard. So now we got to think of incentives and say, wait, no, pick me. Like, we're better. Now, the other alternative is call it nonprofit or government-funded housing units. And what I've observed is when I first got on council, it was about three or 400,000 to develop a two-bedroom nonprofit or government-funded unit. Yeah. Nowadays, I'm hearing it's a million. So it's, it's very expensive. Um, there's prevailing wage, you know, and I'm not saying that's, you know, off the table because we need our trades and our unions and so forth. But Correct. it's expensive to develop a nonprofit or government-funded unit. And 
we've done a lot of that in Salinas. Like we have tons of tons of examples where we've done that, moved the needle, but it's not nearly enough. Right? Yeah. And I think the other thing to, I would just like to point out, I mean, I know that you're saying that Salinas looks the best in kind of the overall, you know, region. And as far as the state is concerned, I wouldn't but, say we look the best. Well, We're showing the best figure. Exactly. We're making more progress yeah, than you know, a lot of other cities. Yeah. I, I think it's also important to note, though, that like, you know, other cities are struggling big time in that sector. Like you said, you know, it's all over, you know, the state. So it's like sure. if someone's turns in D quality work and then you turn in a C quality work, of course it's going to look better, but that doesn't make it an A plus yeah. paper. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm no, saying? So, I, so yeah. I say we yeah. offer the developers all you can eat cards at Culturas. Nope. That would help. Uh, they'll, they'll be like, all right, all right. We're putting our stuff here. This is where it's all going. We're seeing some. <laughs> we're seeing some folks start to. I mean, look at Brad Slama. Look at this. The fifty units that he repurposed downtown. Right. Celebrate that. You know. Work on the next win. I think there's tremendous opportunity with repurposing commercial and even industrial. Um, I mean, we got to really think differently about what we can do with the orchard supply building that Correct. is sitting there vacant yeah. mm -hmm. right off Davis, right? Like, okay, yeah, what could that look like? How could we incentivize? And there's a, a policy I implemented and authored as a council member called adaptive reuse. And it's been put to work in some really cool ways downtown where you can take buildings that were once, say, a bank or once, say, a commercial purpose and incentivize repurposing and investment to develop housing. And at the most recent council meeting, I buddied with council member Christy Cromines to institute that citywide. Why not? Why don't we look at older abandoned buildings and say, hey, developer, we'll work with you and incentivize repurposing that? Uh, you know, yeah. And again, yeah. and I've mentioned I, I could be the biggest cynic and I'm also like a power to the people type person. But sure. that project, it's a great project. You know, oh, nobody sure. was displaced. Yeah. The building was sitting there empty. It's in yeah. the middle of a revitalizing neighborhood. Mm. It, it, you know, some for someone that always wants to find a reason to be like, well, I'm not happy because of this. It, well, it I could find the, a reason. Oh, well, I, yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> I hope can, that there but, would. But I think it's it's great. And and like you're saying, we do need a mix, not just of low income, but also of the higher incomes. You know, those are the people that, that can go out to the Viestecas and the XLs and Dubbers, you know, several times a week. And here was a point, there. though, made to me this week that the Section 8 vouchers issued by the county are, at, I believe, $1,825 for a one-bedroom studio right now. Correct. And starting rent at 301 is $1,675. So it's conceivable. But will they accept? It's conceivable. Will they accept the Section 8 housing? That's when asked that's that question. When asked that question, I was told it's based on an application. There are folks that have I've I mean, I own a rental unit off market, and I've had a Section 8 tenant before. She had a job. She had a regular life. She just qualified based on her income and her family for a housing voucher. It worked out. And she ended up moving out of town and up north to be with family and all this. But it worked out. So mm -hmm. as I understand it, you can't discriminate under the law. So I do believe there will be low-income qualified applicants that are going to show interest. I mean, gosh, they've got hundreds flocking in great interest. So, you know, this goes back to like what people think about, you know, 
Section 8 housing vouchers Correct. and, you know, having that sort of assistance. And, you know, we're all in this community together. And, you know, I, I think I think this is a this is an opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of being in a community to, together, mm. how can, again, the small businesses, I think I, I mm. love small businesses and. But sometimes I, I'm not saying that the city leaves them behind or anything, but you hear these stories and, and I'm like, how, how can we, how can the city uplift its small businesses? Or do you mm. think the city is, is doing a, a great job of that? Again, if, if, you know, you, you're running your business, you don't have time to go to, to the city hall or, sure. or to the permit center or something yeah. to do your business. Does the city make it easy for small businesses to, mm to grow or and to establish themselves in Salinas. I mean, I, I just asked that because COVID just pushed all these entrepreneurs, you know, all of a sudden mm. in Instagram, you're seeing Carnitas people and, and people that, that do chamoy and on all this Delivery and that. And, and, yeah. yeah. And it's so mm. cool. And it's like, holy, like, man, like I, I'm assuming because you're from Salinas, you probably don't have a, you know, some kind of family money where your grandpa can be like, Oh, here's 30 grand. Go, right. go buy a truck and, and try to do it. Um, but how can the city take that energy, you know, and 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 kind of spend some money there? Or I don't know if money is the way to do it. But well, I'm a small business owner most of my professional career, so I, I bring that to the city council. When you look at the other council members, you know, people that had, you know, I one point I had 22 employees in one business, and in another it was eight. Uh, there's something to be said about bringing that perspective, and I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've started and succeeded and failed at a half a dozen businesses. And I would say that having that perspective is important. Uh, the city needs to hear that. Uh, I think making it easy and encouraging and facilitating young people, especially that want to start a business yeah. to do so and to have that help is important. We have set up small business navigators within our city. Uh, Crystal Casillas is amazing. I refer to her all sorts of individuals that are interested in food, new products, agricultural innovation, and she can help them through accessing capital, um, also navigating the process of getting a business license and the proper paperwork to get yourself established. You know, there's a statistic I had heard several years back that more than 50% of the groundbreaking innovations in the last 100 years were by individuals under 25 years of age. And that's not surprising at all. I mean, yeah. crazy things like the water heater or the electric blanket, right? Like, you know, so there's something to be said about that entrepreneurship. And think about 10 of your friends, and there's only one or two that, that have that. You know what I mean? Not everybody's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Some people are, some people aren't, right? And by that, I would say the city, the city has that in our mayor, Kimberly Craig. I mean, she's a huge advocate for small business and business you know, now that I'm with the Chamber of Commerce, you know, I'm, I'm very involved in that. I help people every day accessing funding in English and in Espanol, helping them to get started, expand their business. And I think as a city, we need that. Um, we can't just be dependent on out-of-town money or big, big, big yeah. business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the city and the Chamber of Commerce are doing a good job of getting the information out to the people about these services mm. that are available for them? Because I see, you know, um, it, it seems as though um, there are programs in place, um, but it, in, in, I, I wonder if everybody, you know, knows about that or, mm. and how, 
how is it that we can reach the the señora selling tamales in front mm, of uh, yeah. you know food yeah. max or whatever how sure. is it that we can reach you know the the young man that's you know what i mean making cakes in in his on saturday afternoons or whatever sure. to do weddings or or things of that nature you know um this podcast is a good first step um yeah. you know the www.salinaschamber.org um the city of salinas you know people generally need to come but the challenge is getting the word out like just think about the last 10 years the salinas californian ksbw traditional media has gone totally on its back nowadays it's social it's like I'm thinking of our own events at the Chamber of Commerce. I brought our event list, and you can look it over. And I think that's and, great, but I mean, know. someone like me who walks in this world with privilege, I was born mm, here, sure, sure. I, I have papers, I speak the language, mm. I was educated in the States. This is easy for me to access because I've lived in this world my whole life. I'm talking about the person who maybe is, you know, seven in, years, a, in a yeah. mixed income or a, a mixed um, citizenship of, household. Yeah, one of or, the flower vendors in Old Town, I had to, I had to help exactly. him uh, take his phone off uh, airplane mode, uh, you know. And, 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 and he was freaking out. And it's, yeah, and it's something and, like that. So when I hear people say like, oh, you go online to city, you know, yeah, and I get that. Hard. That That is something that will be helpful for somebody like Oz, someone sure. like myself. And yeah. we are both small business owners. Mm. But the flower vendor... You know what I'm That's saying? That, that yeah, speaks the limited English. Sure. This Again, week. the senora who's yeah. selling tamales in East Salinas. How, how do we reach them to get them into a space that is going to be beneficial for them to move their business forward? Well, you got to start someplace. And I would say proudly that the city is in an excellent position to receive and deliver services in Spanish and, and, and do so in a very culturally sensitive way. Um, so our business navigator and our small business support services and our partners, including El Pajaro CDC, in Spanish, no problem. Um, November 17th, sorry, 16th, I will be a keynote speaker, 30 minutos solo en español, por what? 90 I gotta see this. personas uh, que tienen negocios y están trabajando por los impuestos y para más dinero de los bancos y ayuda del centro de comercio. So it, they'll be, I know, it, it should be pretty awesome. That's and and it's, it's, it's going to be a, a small business conference at the Steinbeck Center, 100% in Spanish. And mm -hmm. the Chamber of Commerce will be there. You know, we've already partnered with Suba for one mixer. Mm -hmm. And that was at the police station, the service center. And we're partnering with Suba for another mixer in the first quarter of next year, which will be at the permit center. So, Inglés, Español. So, we've got it, but we got to do more. We got to start with can we deliver and be accessible and Español? Um, and, and then I, we need to go out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's great that the first barrier is a language barrier. Yeah. But I think that, you know, you, you've mentioned three or four different events and they're all happening in. You know, South in, in South Salinas, yeah. Yeah, you know, true, true. what services do we have available to people where they're at, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, not just that. I mean, if we, 
our, our, our city is heavily dependent on taxes and the largest tax base that we have is in the 93905. Mm, <laughs> that's yeah. where the most of our taxes come from. So we know that that's where the most of the commerce is happening. Sure. You know what I mean? For our city. So what are we doing to reach those people at their level and their community? Yeah. 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 There's a, uh, an organization called SUBA and SUBA services call it the Alisal, the the same, call it zip code and commercial area and space that you're speaking of. And while we had the downtown vibrancy plan, we have the Alisal vibrancy plan Uh, as a chamber of commerce leader and as a council member, I am, I'm on board and, you know, we can't correct it, you know, with the click of a button and Amazon will correct it tomorrow. Like this is something where as a council and I think as a community, we're, we're doing what we can to look at the economically disadvantaged or traditionally disadvantaged communities. And some of that is, like you said, not someone privileged that's second generation or third generation. We're talking about folks that may have only been in the country 10 years. You know, I, I had a young lady in my office, a senora with three kids. Uh, she's started a business doing event planning, but it's all in Spanish. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking, wow, I need all of my publications and my website able to be translated, and we need to be able to provide services. We are a membership-based nonprofit. So someone has to elect to join the chamber. They have to have the means to join the chamber. And, you know, the city in in another capacity offers business navigation services free of charge. You know, so there's different ways to get to different populations, but there's definitely work to be done. And there's lots of interest there. I mean, the James Irvine Foundation writing a grant with the California Endowment and MBEP and other partners to, to, really, to, really, to really go forward in that space. And the Salinas Valley Chamber of Commerce is, is ready and Council Member Steve McShane is ready. Um, you know, that's how, we, that's how we do it. We need to capture those young people, I think, and, and people of all ages, quite frankly, but the people that are willing to take the risk early in their lives before maybe they have a huge family and other obligations to have a groundbreaking technology or a groundbreaking idea that can contribute to our economy. And that's the other challenge. We are a largely ag-based economy. Correct. And we're, we're dealing with a labor pool that has to advance. I mean, the enormous pressures on how limited the labor pool is do a few things. One, it pushes wages up. That's good. It also pushes skill sets up, right? So a a former irrigator now is operating a robot that lays the irrigation pipe or drip tape, and there's four less people involved, right? Just yesterday, I was speaking to a guy that does venture capital funding, and I was explaining to him that if you look at a Romaine crew today, it's half or less the size it was just 10 or 15 years ago. So it's, it's robots, it's innovation, and you know, with that comes training and retraining because some senora that's 45 or 47 or you know, my age, right, um, that's used to, say, one means of doing their job now needs a different skill set. And uh, you know, there's a role for the city to facilitate that, to encourage that, to do economic development. And there's a role for, say, the chamber and SUBA, and we all got to work together. Correct. And oh, Oh, I was just going to say, you know, because you touched on it a little bit, you know, um, Salinas, we're we're in the center of a nine plus billion dollar industry and our city is still struggling financially, you know, are we? Well, and that was going to be my my question. And I'm I'm curious of that, you know, as, as, as do you believe, you know, that that Salinas has a healthy tax base? So so. 
I travel. Um, I travel. And I, when I travel, I go and visit with the local government. I'll visit the local college and the local chamber. Um, recently, I was in Nadi, Fiji, not too far back. I was in Egypt. Uh, you know, I've been to Turkey. I established a sister city there. Um, just last May, I was with the vice mayor and the president of the chamber uh, for our sister city called Soke. And Soke has three times the amount of staff and one twentieth the amount of money to spend on their residents. So when you talk about quality of life and, you know, whether or not, you know, certain challenges that our citizens face are comparable globally, I mean, and that's a whole different conversation, right? Um, you know, we, we do have far less per resident to spend than, say, Monterey. You know, oh, yeah. we're on par with Visalia and we're nowhere near Sunnyvale. So we have to be nimble with what we spend money on. And we have different social challenges. And you have to ask yourself, what are we responsible for versus what is the county responsible for and the state? And who's going to pay what? And how effective are we at getting the attention of our state representative or our county supervisor to say, hey, can we get more attention on this issue? You know, the city has paid considerable price for addressing homelessness. And traditionally and in statute, it's a social service issue and it's, a, it's an issue the county should own. Now, we don't move forward if we're saying, well, this is mine and that's yours. <laughs> so we are working together and things like the Share Center is, is a good example where, you know, 100 plus families or individuals are able to, to find housing and wraparound services on the very front end of being homelessness or homeless or unsheltered. Um, but when it comes to it, we are, we are a blue collar town. With, with a lot of challenges. And you know, if, if you ask me what my priorities are, I want to make sure it's a safe community. I want to make sure that if you're having a heart attack or if somebody has you at gunpoint, you know, I, can, I can speak to at least two events within three blocks of here that involved a female and assault. Uh, very, very, very challenging situations. And you know, did police get there fast enough? Like, you know, I can think of instances where our response time, because we don't have the personnel on our fire apparatus, you know, to get to somebody that's in a death or near death situation, you know, that, so I think that safety piece is, is very important. Um, we talked about housing and homelessness. I mean, I, I, that, those, those two things are right there. Yeah. Um, infrastructure. I mean, I can't tell you how many residents I've heard from all over the city that can speak to accessibility where they've got an elderly member of their family that can't even get to their front door because the sidewalk is so buckled and there's trips and falls and hazards in that capacity. Don't even get me started on trees, right? We're at 7% urban canopy. Yeah. We yeah. should be at 20%, oh, percent, right? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that's in the 93905. And I am on board with, you know, my partner in the east side, uh, you know, Carla Gonzalez. Like, she's all about, like, let's bring that urban forestry, and we've planted more trees than ever, but we still have a lot of room to go there, and we have to plant yeah. them right. Uh, but beyond, beyond those things, um, you know, I just have to also say, you know, our youth, young people, you know, as a, as a father with two young kids, you know, we've got parks, but are those parks safe? What, what's, what, what's offered at those parks? Uh, and even for teens, if you've got a 10 or 12 or 13 year old, what's, what's positive and fun to do, you know, making sure that there's something good to do outside. Well, and especially in a city like Salinas, where so many parents have to work, you know, multiple jobs or something, mm, you know, these, sure. these kids might have more time to themselves. And it's important mm. that, yeah, we put them in something healthy that that's going to you know grow them in, into good citizens yeah. when, when they're adults. 
Um, you got any any other? I mean, I'm again. We can we can go way oh, past that. So we'll we'll take about fourteen hours of it the SD card. But I want I want to make sure that again, especially the, the voters of District Three, because this sure. is really who this is is geared towards. But ever overall, you know, people of Salinas, that we t- touch on the things that might that might be interesting to them. And I, I, I small I, business housing infrastructure families. Well, yeah, yeah. You know the only um. Thing that I would like to point out and, you know, I wonder if you agree or disagree with mm. this, but, you know, in terms of, um, you know, crime rates in Salinas and I, I feel like, you know, the crime of our city mirrors what is happening within our state, you know, mm. pretty much. Right. But also there's all of this um, information and, and studies that show that, you know, crime is correlated to poverty, you know, um, and so when our economy is doing well and when our citizens have jobs and they're not housing insecure and, you know, the hierarchy of needs are met, then, you know, the crime, it, it, it goes down, it, it drops, you know. So, again, you know, as what what are we doing as a city? What do you feel you're doing as, you know, your, your district representative to aid in that effort mm, of yeah creating a a um safe place a, yeah, yeah a safe place that's not necessarily tied to policing yeah, sure. but tied to the quality of life that mm. we're giving our citizens yeah. and you know the opportunities that are being afforded to them yeah. as well now you're hitting right on a very important issue uh so different types of crime right like violent crime versus nonviolent crime Things that nowadays don't necessarily end up in an arrest, you know, even something like heroin. <laughs> Someone can be shooting up or, you know, doing a small amount of an illegal drug and it's a it's a like a ticket that they're issued. You know, they don't even go to jail. And there's a whole conversation around that and what's appropriate and how that's, you know, helping or hurting our community. You know, from where I sit, some of the things that I've always supported with our department and want to see more of a diverse department and a city service unit that is not only bilingual, bicultural, but representative of our community. And starting with Chief Adele Frise, I think we've started a really, really good thing. More female, uh, more local, and more diversity is, is how I would speak to certainly our, our police services. Um, the city has trained all of our personnel in violence intervention. We've gone to great lengths to see to it that we're better prepared to not enter into a situation with force, but to enter into a situation with a better understanding of social services and a better understanding of you know, what, what could be underlying. So I think community policing and neighborhood-based empowerment, you know, which looks different, in the 93906 than it does in the 93905 than it does in the 93901. You know, some of it's uh, champorado and breaking bread and just neighbors getting to know neighbors. I mean, that's, that's pretty much across the city. We are so busy and we're so technologically tied into our program or our routine that a lot of times we don't even know who's two houses down. And if they're getting ripped off or you hear screaming, you're not able to say, oh my gosh, how can I help? Or let me call your husband, Miha, right? So there's a lot of that that I think as a city, from my perspective, you know, to answer your question, like I, I want to take us. Like it's a, it's a care 
and a and a appreciation and a support for one another. And, and yeah. I hear that, Steve. But the the thing that's coming to mind for yeah, me sure. is Gerardo. Huh. You know, and mm-hmm. and you you talk about knowing our neighbors and sure, sure, and sure. all and and having the training. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is it being implemented in the proper situations? Mm, you know, sure. and and again, when it comes back to a diverse police force, you mm, know, yeah. there were people there that spoke English, yeah. but they didn't speak his native indigenous no, language right. of Zapotec. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. All of these things are wonderful in theory, but are they being put into practice? Yeah, I believe they are uh, more than I've ever seen. I've been in Salinas just over 20 years. I came here in 1999. Um, You know, I came to ultimately work in ag and uh, and I'll say it was a very different city. Um, So I think our city administration, our city leadership um, and our city service is more diverse, better trained and more acutely aware of Differences in language, culture, and, and respect. Um, you know, is it perfect? No. And can you get up in someone's grill and say, you're not good enough? Yeah. Um, but as a parent, I know that that isn't necessarily as effective with my four-year-old than telling them what they are doing well and encouraging that. Um, it, it takes a little bit of both. And, and, so and I can understand that from the parenting yeah. perspective, <laughs> but yeah. what do we tell Gerardo's mom? Yeah. What do we tell the community members that are still grieving? Grieving. Exactly. You know, what can we do differently next time? And that is I'll give you an example that's very personal to my district. Just a few weeks ago, there was a murder on Montecito. And I was so impressed with the response. CSO officers and officers door to door, just asking how everybody's doing, offering that level of service, that level of compassion like that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. And so under our chief, Roberto Felice, and under our city manager, Steve Kerrigan, and under our mayor, Kimberly Craig, like, I really do believe that we're doing a much better job to show compassion, to train to social services intervention, and a different level of response that doesn't necessarily result in immediate force. Uh, And to Gerardo's family and to some of the tragic issues and there's there's a number of thinking of the the mother who was well and then is it here on clay street exactly Uh, even that is it possible to and i don't hopefully divorce is not the right term but um the 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 police department are obviously over over overtaxed with a bunch of different issues but that's sometimes like you you know recently you, you see someone in old town that Ultimately, it looked like they were really just drunk, oh, you know, but they were sure. struggling. Yeah, and yeah. and, and I, I wanted to help, you know, but really all I could do is call 911 and they were going to send a police officer. Sure, sure. And I'm not saying that, oh, there's a guarantee that it's going to be violent or whatever. But, what, you know, like I wish I could have called, uh, uh, again, somebody that, that was, uh, and I'm not saying that police are not trained in that, but someone that's really more, it. it this was not a violent person. This was not some, but somebody that was annoying people or anything, but they could yeah. not take care of themselves at that moment. And again, based on the, the beer cans that they were holding, I was assuming they were, they were just drunk, yeah. but I was just like, how can we, and I'm not saying this is a, a big a question. question yeah. yeah. But is that possible? Because I just feel like if we take that away from the police, not only does that give them more time to deal with, you know, the violent crime and, and the other things going on, but it also, you know, the community is, again, I have friends on, on the police department or, or whatever as well, but it's just, 
that gun is intimidating sometimes, you know? And sometimes, and you're, all the you're time. just like, yeah. And, and, and you're just like, oh my God, we, we are a, a split second away from, from this being something, you know? And even That's so clear. that makes me wary sometimes to be like, again, this person's just drunk. They're not bothering anyone. Let me just tur- turn the other cheek kind of thing, you know? But it's like, but also, I don't, I want to get this person help, you know? But literally, the only option is to call 911 and the uh, cop, um, but so well, like, there, there's, there's, there's a number of social services on the front lines uh, and an increasing number of homeless are where because street outreach grants and funding are the fastest growing area. Yeah. So but, the, the services are going to the street, so to speak. And that doesn't mean you're going to hit between nine and five <laughs> on weekends and at night. Uh, no, I know it, yeah. you have to go to the population where they need it, when they need it. And, and I, I do believe that that's, that's happening. I mean, I spent several years on community human services board, uh, you know, and, and also, been active in Victory Mission and a supporter of a number of different nonprofits that are on the front lines of hunger, homelessness, and being unsheltered. I'll also reference Downtown Streets Team, which has become a growing partner with the city. These are very visible individuals that are performing outreach while also offering assistance in those sorts of not emergency or or acute situations, but where someone clearly could benefit from help. And um, I think there, I think we're going to see more in that space. Like we're 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 focused on it. That's half the battle. We're doing something about it. That's part of the battle. We're not there yet. And and you know to win the war, there's going to be there's going to be more battles. And and the cool thing is we all care. We all want to get yeah. there. Um, I, I see it throughout. Like the entire council is unanim- unanimously like in favor of doing more. Um, and and we're getting there. Um, and I don't think we're going to get it perfect. But I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed by it. Like the steps forward, you know, downtown's in a better place. Downtown streets team's really active here, and their rate of success to intervene, to be there on the front lines, offer assistance. You know, today I was with a veteran. He was in he was in the service to over 20 years, and he was talking to me about sobriety and drugs. And you know, he said, you know, in the military. It, the first question we would ask when somebody would would flag another member of the service as having a problem was, "When do you want help?" You know, so th- that's and I said, "God, that's that's kind of interesting." <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, you need to want help, yeah. and so you know, from a from a dashboard of okay, we're the city, we're not the county, but from the dashboard of the city and where we spend money and where we're partnering with nonprofits and and the county for that matter. You, you tend to work on the lowest hanging fruit. Those are folks where maybe Triage. It was, yeah, and, and so, it, so let's just go through a domestic. This is so common, right? And, and the way that our laws are written in California, they side with the mom. The mom gets, say, that huge portion of the dad's paycheck and, you know, he abused her and that's no good. And rather than go to work, he says, you know what, I'm done. And he unplugs and checks out and then turns to drugs, turns to crime and is on the street. And so it's like, you know, well, that, that's, that's how society works. Um, and that's the source of quite a few stories. Now, I don't know them all. I mean, there's tr- a tremendous amount of veterans. We have a yeah. high percentage of veterans in Monterey County. I, I think it's over 20%. Or it's something astounding, right? Uh, that, that's probably not right. That doesn't sound right to me. But whatever it was, it was, it was higher than the average in the state, yeah. much higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's different reasons with Fort Ord like and DLA, DL, yeah, DLI and so forth. But uh, 
So, you know, I, this is this is the kind of conversation we need to have more of, and, and we will. And as a council member, I ask for your listeners to vote, electmcshane.com. Um, um, <laughs> my phone number is 831-970-4141. Call me. Um, let me know what your challenge is anywhere in the city. Like, I'm all down and good and happy to share that. I'm proudly supported by four of my colleagues, you know, Carla Gonzalez, Orlando Osorio, Tony Barrera, uh, Christy Cromines, and then also the mayor. Um, I, I, I get along and play well with others. I'm progressive and proactive and willing to say, okay, let's think differently. Let's work together. Um, you know, so, and in my role as a chamber of commerce CEO, I'm ready. Uh, listo. Like yeah. let's, let's work towards a more inclusive economy Let's focus on those populations that may not have had the luxuries that you have, uh, yeah. you know, with, I, with your I, upbringing. I think that something that is needs to be discussed more is not um, equality, but equity. Yeah. You sound those like are Carla two Gonzalez, very my, different my things. Yeah, they yes. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Miss Gonzalez, I uh, <laughs> sat on the... Um, Monterey County Black and Brown Solidarity sure, Coalition sure. with sure, her for sure, a while, yeah. and yeah, 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 I yeah. know her. Um, but yeah, I think that that's there's it it there's a distinction there. Sure, you know. So yeah, yeah. so that, anyway, that Steve McShane, Thank dis, you. District Good Three incumbent. Yeah, it, this this was fun. I I enjoy this. Was again the last time it was with Claudia, so this time I we're reaching two different audiences as one. I, I this is a cool little project i think that that we're doing yes. with a3 Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so anyway yeah again don't forget can you still register you can still you register, can still right? register to vote at the county regist- voting registration office up until election day if i'm not mistaken vote. um our election is always the what's first tuesday of the month so november, november 8th. 8th um and yes folks get out and vote 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 and yeah, and we will see you on after November eighth. Yeah, we'll be at La Cantina election night if you want to come okay. and join. Shouts um, out to Horacio and his magi- management group out. <laughs> first, first brewery in Monterey County to be certified a Blue Zones yay, yay. project. Very, very proud of Horacio yeah. and all the work that he's Sel- doing. Salinas and-, and Old Town Salinas keeps doing big things. Carmel Magazine is in in the neighborhood taking pictures of a new restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a bunch of good things happening. Anyway, Steve, thanks again. Don't forget to vote, everybody. We'll catch you all next time. Ciao. Peace. Ciao.